Hey, this is Dali, and you're listening to the Fear the Sword podcast. Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Trevor Magnotti and this is the Thick Jack Frames podcast for the Swords NBA Draft podcast. The NBA Draft is now eight weeks away now and we are fully in the swing of NBA Draft season. Two big benchmarks have been hit since we last talked, one being the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament, which took place this past weekend, the other being Draft Declaration Deadline Day, which was on April 22nd. We now have our full list of every underclassman who has entered for the NBA draft. And we also have a good idea now of what a lot of the different seniors are going to look like as they get into the draft process as well from the Portsmouth Invitational. We're going to focus mostly on that today because I was there, um, was able to make it down to Portsmouth on Saturday, got to see all Eight teams that competed, uh, so 64 of the nation's top seniors. Obviously, we were missing some of the big names among the senior class. No Brandon Clark, no Matisse Thibel. Um, those guys have presumably already stamped their tickets for the NBA draft. They have a good idea of where they're going to be going, and it's outside of the range of where a lot of these different prospects were. Um, So instead, we were focused more on guys who are going to fit in the second round to undrafted range. So we're going to deviate a little bit and talk mostly about these guys because there were a couple first-round prospects there, along with a lot of guys who could be filling out summer league and rosters and two-way contracts. And those guys are important too. The Cavs are probably going to be trying to make a few two-way contract moves in the summer and try to have a few spots open for some development projects. And some of these seniors may be the guys who are coming in on those different deals. So we're going to go through Team by team, we're going to touch on first the two main prospects who are there that I think are in range for the Cavs to use the rocket pick on. And then later, we will go team by team and kind of game by game, give overall impressions and uh, just kind of talk about who looked a cut above among the guys who were there at at Portsmouth. A little bit of a thin crop this year overall. Um, Occasionally you're going to get a guy who may go in the mid-first round or have a mid-first round level talent. Two years ago that was Derek White who has been basically blowing up the Nuggets offense by himself for the Spurs in the playoffs. Um, So you can find good talent here. Um, But unfortunately this crop was a little bit thinner than we kind of anticipated. Again, missing some of the major seniors who feel comfortable with their draft spot. Also, the guaranteed NBA draft combine invites that used to come out of this because of the number of underclassmen who have come out that has the rules have kind of changed there a little bit. So we didn't get to see kind of the full spread of guys who might be in the senior class, but we did get to see plenty of talent. Um, Two guys who I think are first rounders, a few more who I think are probably second rounders, and then probably the top of the crop of who's going to be in the undrafted group was also there. Um, So basically the way that the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament works is you get these all of these seniors, they come down to Portsmouth, um, they're separated into eight teams that are named after sponsors from around the Portsmouth and Norfolk area. Um, Then the teams practice together for a few days, they're coached by a couple of 
um, kind of trainers and also some assistant coaches. Um, Brandon Rush, who used to play for the Warriors, was one of the coaches there. A couple NBA uh, WNBA players were also among the coaching staff. Um, so you get these teams running a, a few practice sessions, and then they get to play three games throughout the four days, culminating in the uh, final day where everybody was there. Um, played at a high school gym, so not exactly the big stage that even like summer league is, um, but still a very cool environment to get to, to get to go see these guys play. Um, it's it's very relaxed, very casual, um, and but the guys are definitely taking it seriously, and it presented some pretty good basketball. Um, so let's start off talking about the two guys who I think are probably the headliners from this weekend. These are the two guys that I was most excited to go watch coming in, and they were the two guys who impressed me the most coming out. So that worked out <laughs> pretty well for both of these guys. Um, they played against each other in the final game, so I got to w- go watch them go head-to-head. That was Terrence Davis of Ole Miss. He played for Portsmouth Sports Club, and he is a six foot four shooting guard that I have ranked as my number twenty eight prospect currently. He got to face off against Josh Reeves of Penn State, another six four shooting guard who I have ranked thirtieth. So I have both of these guys kind of in similar range, and they both played pretty well in their matchup against each other. Reeves ended up getting the better of that matchup um, as the Norfolk Sports Club that he was a part of. Uh, beat Portsmouth 92-87. to Reeves finishes with 14 points, two rebounds, an assist, two steals, and a block. And that block was a very big one against Mariel Shayak of Iowa State. Game-sealing, three-point attempt blocked by Reeves to preserve the Norfolk Weed uh, late in the game. That was very, very exciting uh, play to see. Meanwhile, Davis kind of commanded the game, was Pretty clearly the best player out on the floor. 20 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block for Davis. Um, So both of these guys ended up playing very well in this. Um, Starting with Reeves, talking a little bit about kind of what I I saw with him. Um, Good good catch-and-shoot jumper. he was a guy. He's a guy who has kind of been all over the place from a shooting perspective throughout his career. Had a couple of years where he was a pretty solid spot up shooter for Penn State. Really struggled this year without Tony Carr there to be able to create for him. He was kind of miscast as a lead ball handler. So it was good to see him kind of return to his roots a little bit. Um, he got to play next to some actual primary ball handlers: Matt Morgan of Cornell and Shiz Alston of Temple, um, and that created a pretty good setup for him to be able to kind of play off ball and be able to get some clean spot up opportunities. Um, he also looked pretty good in his transition, was able to pickpocket uh, Victor Law once and, and run down and get a breakaway dunk, uh, which was nice, showed pretty good finishing throughout the day as well. But we were here for the defense and Reeves delivered on that end, looked very strong defending across multiple positions, um, in particular matching up against the taller Shayok, who is tw- uh, about 24, 25 years old, one of the older players in the draft class. Um, and also one of the more skilled offensive players that was there, um, watching him have a lot of success defending Shayok, particularly behind the three-point line, um, running him off screens, really running him off the three-point line, off the catch, um, was really exciting to see. He has such good technique defending there, and is also such a good uh, team defender. Ended up with those two steals, kind of anticipating in traffic, which was good, um, being able to play the passing lanes, and he 
just had a very stellar offense or defensive game overall. Coupled with the shooting, I thought that he came away looking pretty good. He's a guy that I think is probably like a point of attack defender who can play a little bit of team defense and is kind of like an off-ball guy. Think of like a short Iman Shumpert type. Um, so... I think that he's a guy who could be valuable for the Cavs with that that 26 spot. Probably going to take some development still, but uh, has legitimate starter-level upside on the defensive end, at least. Um, providing uh, He's going to provide a good amount of value on that side. So I think that that's something that's uh, really important. So I am excited to see him uh, potentially make the draft combine, see kind of where he's slotted in the... Uh, in the discussion of where some of these guys are going to go in like the early to mid second round, I think that he is going to get drafted based on this. But if he's uh, uh, if he's undrafted, that could be a potential steal for some team to go pick him up on a two way deal and get a really good player out of it. Davis, meanwhile, uh, he was hands down probably the most athletic, one of the most athletic players there. Um, just a, a cut above in terms of fluidity of movement. Just a very coordinated guy on both ends, and that's something that's that's really important to to see. Um, he's been one of my favorite players to watch throughout the college basketball season, and again uh, presented that way as well. Um, had some good per- playmaking possessions for Portsmouth Sports Club. As like a secondary playmaker, also was able to get a couple catch and shoot three pointers to fall. Has good technique on those, even though he does kick out a, a leg and can kind of land unevenly from that jump, which decreases the amount of power that he gets. Um, but he's overall, uh, I think, a pretty enticing three point shooter and just a very strong finisher on the offensive end. And he had he had some really good uh, quality crafty finishes in the lane, finished with either hand on uh, multiple occasions, and and that's something that's always good to be able to see. Um, also, just from an aesthetic. Uh, point of view, he really surprised me in terms of how much he talks on defense. Um, Portsmouth Sports Club was one of the most talkative uh teams at the at the tournament on the defensive end um it was mainly driven by davis tukey brown of georgia southern and noah dickerson of washington all three of those guys talk constantly on the defensive end particularly dickerson who was looking like joakim noah calling out advanced uh plays uh play development and reads and dictating where his teammates needed to go just a really helpful impactful player on the defensive end he had a very solid game because of that um and really surprised me because he was a player who's very up and down at Washington um, but he had a he had a very good game um, Davis obviously very very communicative on the defensive end as well really helped uh, call out pick and rolls and kind of side actions and then Brown was phenomenal at the point of attack um, Brown is like a six foot maybe uh point guard he might be a hair over 510 maybe six foot at the at the at the top um, but he is just a bulldog defender, just very, very jacked for a little guy, um, has really good athleticism. He finished with 18 points in the, in this game because he had some really solid fluid finishes, particularly in transition. And then defensively ended up with one steal, just ripping the ball out of the hands of Shiz Alston, which, which was really, um, which was really exciting to see. And then just shutting down Matt Morgan throughout the second half, uh, was, was key to keeping Portsmouth in this. 
um, he, he had a very good game as well. I think is definitely a two-way contract guy. I don't know how his height and build is going to be able to project to the NBA level, but in terms of competitiveness, in terms of defensive fundamentals, in terms of finishing, and in terms of athleticism, he definitely is deserving of a shot at the next level. Um, but but going back to Davis, I, I really think that he is a guy who just loves to compete. Um, he was the preeminent trash talker at the at this competition as well, just constantly in guys' faces, um, talking in between possessions, even got uh, a little bit heated with a couple refs a couple times. Um, just a really exciting and, fu- and fun player to watch. I like those fiery competitive guys, and he was very, um, very good and able to back that up as well throughout this uh, throughout this tournament and capitalized on by that top day. So those were the two guys that I had going into the first round. Um, at the beginning of the tournament, I think that they still are first-round level prospects as, as we look at them after, and I'm really excited to kind of see what they end up being at the next level. Davis probably is going to lock down a combine invite. Um, Reeves probably going to get a fair amount of workout opportunities. Um, just, a, just a really good opportunity to see both these guys and kind of solidify my opinion on both of them that they should both be candidates for the Cavs with the Rockets pick. Um Talking a little bit about some of the other other games that we saw, um, that was the third place game uh, between the, those two. So there were two games earlier in the day that we'll touch on real quickly. Real briefly, the seventh place game, that was a team called Roger Browns against Mike Duman Auto. Um, this game was definitely the least compelling of the ones that I watched there. Um, both of these teams were really hindered by not having a true primary creator on either side for Roger Browns. They had, um, they had Kerwin Roach of Texas as their primary point guard. And he looked a really miscast in that role. Meanwhile, Mike Duman was led by Jordan Davis in Northern Colorado. And I am by Barry Brown of Kansas state. Neither of those guys, again, very, consistent primary creators, not guys who are, who are super exciting to watch. And it led to uh, some really sloppy basketball throughout this game. Um, the two major guys that we'll talk about here are both from Roger Browns. Those were Roach and Ark Holman of Mississippi State. Holman is my f- number 42 ranked prospect, and he is going to be falling in my rankings after after watching him. He had a very inconsistent performance here. Um Looked really sluggish, kind of in and out of games, possession to possession. Not very enticing. Didn't really show any of the kind of consistent skills that he showed at Mississippi State. And that was something that was a little bit problematic. Um, Really struggled with the length and athleticism of LSU's Cavell Bigby-Williams, who was the center for Mike Duman. And he really just ended up kind of spotting out from beyond the three-point line a fair amount, um, took 10 threes, which was insane. I think that was the most three-point attempts of anybody throughout the day, um, only edged by Chris Clemens of Campbell, who we'll talk about in a little while. Um, but yeah, 3 of 10 from there, 7 of 18 shooting for 17 points and five rebounds, just really not engaged in, in this game and really bothered by the athleticism of Bigby Williams in the center who just kept drawing him 
uh, into the paint and really, really taking advantage of him in the lane offensively. Um, so not a great game for Holman. Roach also really struggled. Um, five turnovers, even though he did have nine assists. Just really struggled to beat guys off the dribble at the point of attack. Was really unable to get separation. Didn't have a great first step. Um, wasn't really good at manufacturing shots out of drives. Um unless he had significant help from kind of some advanced plays that the team was running. So uh, kind of out on him as a, as a draftable player as well. He'll probably get a two-way deal because he is a good defender and because he does have kind of some elite, sh- uh, some sub-elite shot-making ability. But in terms of him running the point of attack as a lead guard, um, pretty much out on that idea because he was really, really struggling in this game with that. Um, for Mike Duman, big name, uh, or the big name that kind of came away from this game was Terrence Mann of Florida State, um, a player who has kind of been in the mix in the dra- um, for the draft because of his passing ability and also because of his athleticism. Was really surprised at how small he looked. Um, he was a guy who was kind of billed as like 6'7", 6'8", at Florida State. I don't think that he is a much higher than 6'6". Um, really kind of looked dwarfed by guys of similar size, particularly Malik Yarborough, uh, or Malik Yarborough of Illinois State. So not exactly the most exciting um Thing to thing to come out and see him kind of look that look that small because his defensive potential is kind of his calling card. Also, not really sure how his passing is going to end up really mattering because he is not a guy that can really get to the rim consistently. He can't really shoot from beyond the arc. Um, so, not really excited about him really being a functional offensive player. Um, another guy that I was kind of relatively down on after watching him in the tournament compared to where I was before. The second game. Of the day was K&D Rounds against Cherry Bakert. Um, K&D Rounds featured my favorite, one of my favorite players at this tournament, which was Fletcher McGee at Wofford. Uh, meanwhile, Cherry Bakert featured one of the most high-volume offensive players that we saw this year in college basketball in Justin James of Wyoming, and also one of the best rim protectors who was there in Donta Hall of Alabama. Major takeaways from this game came from the McGee-James matchup because McGee really struggled to get his shot going, um, was just one of six from three on this. He, he did have a 7 to 10 day earlier in the tournament so we still got to see kind of peak Fletcher McGee there he's one of the he's one of the best um, off-ball shooters and is kind of somewhere on the JJ Reddick tree in terms of his actual potential um but what really surprised me about McGee was even though his shot wasn't falling he had a huge game defensively um got switched on to Justin James um majority of the time in the set in the first half and really helped shut him down James really struggled only finished with nine points on eight shots um which is not exciting when you have a guy of his repertoire and reputation in terms of scoring was really limited by what he could do against McGee because McGee showed really good lateral agility, was able to stick with him side to side on the perimeter, chased him really well off screens, um, was really able to get low and get thin and and get around screens pretty easily, which was really nice to see. Um, he's a guy that I think is is going to be a second round prospect that has the potential to be a starter level player in the league um, because because of his shooting. It's all kind of dependent on how well he can defend and how well he can kind of progress in some of the other areas of his game because he is the elite shooter in this draft. And I think that 
this game really showed me that he does have that potential and he is going to be worth that second round selection wherever he ends up going. So really excited to see what he was able to do. James really disappointed. I was really expecting him to be like the primary on-ball guy for this team and he just wasn't able to do it. Um, So really going to need to see him um, compete well in workouts to believe that he's going to be a potential draftable guy. Um, The big man matchup was also really interesting because Donta Hall of Alabama really disappointed me. Um, He did have three blocks and three steals, was able to kind of get tie-ups in the lane and did a really good job protecting the rim, but he consistently got dragged out of the paint by some of the more uh, versatile big men that were on KD rounds, particularly Elijah Thomas of Clemson, um, as well as Nick Perkins of Buffalo. Both of those guys were able to kind of get him defending in space, and he really kind of looked slow and uh, didn't really recognize how to defend those plays at the point of attack. And and that's something that is going to be really important for him. I mean, we're seeing Rudy Gobert get played off the floor at the NBA level as a rim, as an elite rim protector, and Hall is. Is not at his level in terms of rim protection either. So him not being able to defend out in space, I think is really problematic for projecting him towards the next level. And I'm not sure that he is going to be a guy that's draftable after, after this. He'll probably end up somewhere on a two way deal. Um, I really like Perkins in terms of his ability to kind of provide gravity going towards the rim and the pick and roll. He looked really good, finished with 18 points and 10 rebounds. Looks really strong, um, also has some ball skills. Um, The problem for him is just kind of knowing what he's good at, which is a little bit of an issue. He does not, um, he kind of plays like a perimeter at times and does not kind of stick to being like that power rebounder energy guy that can roll to the rim very well. Um, So, really going to be interesting to see if he can kind of rein things in, but um, he had a really impressive performance, was probably the third or fourth best player from what I saw just just across these games in terms of performance, so um, I think that he's probably headed to um, headed to potentially being drafted or being one of the top two-way guys that we end up seeing. Um, last guy we'll talk about, Ahmed Hill of Virginia Tech. He had a very strong game just defensively defending McGee. He was the one who was kind of bothering McGee off screens and keeping him in check in the opposite corner. Um, did a really good job of rotating back and forth to contest on, on ball, digging down into the paint, and also then recovering onto McGee to keep him from getting shots off. Um, so really impressive defensive performance from him. I don't know how much that means if he's going to be a guy who is kind of on the radar in terms of drafting, but he looked like a guy who's probably headed towards being productive at the European level, and I think that that's that's something that's important to note. Um, We already talked about the third place game, Portsmouth against Norfolk, Um, so we'll kind of skip ahead and go to the final game here. That was Portsmouth Partnership, who ended up winning the tournament, um, going undefeated across three games, against Sales System Limited, who had uh, or who ended up falling in this game 92-81, um, featured some really good matchups and some really interesting matchups between guys who popped in this. We'll start by talking about the Portsmouth partnership guys. Headlined by Chris Clemens, who did win the MVP of the tournament. Um, 
If you're not familiar with Clemens, he was one of the greatest scorers that we've ever seen in college basketball, just in terms of volume. Um, got very close to the 3,000-point mark for his career. Um, and he's kind of another K Felder type, um, he, where he is a guy who is playing in a small college, is maybe 5'9", at best, and um, makes his bread with a very strong athleticism profile and also a pretty good shot. Kind of reminds me of Trey Young in the way that he releases. He kind of releases from the front of his body, but it's a very quick release. Um, So he ends up getting very clean looks even when it's contested, and he did so repeatedly in this game. He ended up finishing with 20 points and three assists and two steals. Um, Had an okay game on the defensive end. That's kind of the big problem for him. Is he going to be someone who's played off the floor defensively, or is he going to be able to kind of leverage his hands and leverage his um, intellect into being able to stay on the floor because he can, he can defend as a team player. Um, Offensive end, he's going to be a guy who puts up points, particularly in the G League, because he's just quicker than everybody else. Um, And combine that with his shooting range, which is out to um, 35 feet comfortably. Um, He's going to be a guy who is probably going to get drafted um, and is probably going to hang around the edges of the league for uh, for a little bit. Um, So... He didn't really change much in terms of my evaluation of him. Uh, That was kind of what I thought from him coming in, but him winning the MVP does create a big boon for his reputation, and I think he is going to probably be a guy who's picked in the second round based off of um, this performance and what he's able to carry forward. Um, But he was not the most impressive guy for Portsmouth Partnership. That was a guy who I honestly knew very little about going into the tournament, but ended up having one of the most impressive performances offensively. That was Jarrell Brantley of College of Charleston. He was a guy who is another mascot for the for this podcast name. Um, very very certified thick Jack frame. He's about six seven. Um, is listed at two fifty five. I think he's cut weight since that measurement was taken. He's probably sitting around two forty, um, but is still just absolutely jacked. Um, has a very very. Uh, good movement ability as well is able to kind of get up and down the floor pretty easily and also has some good side-to-side shiftiness motion he had the highlight of the championship game when he was able to get uh i believe it was juan morgan off off the dribble in transition with a move that looked from a distance like Zion Williamson was pulling it. Um, Just a nice little crossover in and out dribble and then just quick spin move caught uh, Morgan with cement in his his shoes and then was able to get a nice little righty finish um, going from left to right across the paint. Um, Just a beautiful move. And he he was a guy that I think – that I think really, really made a case for himself in this game. He finished with 22 points and 11 rebounds in the title game, pitched in two steals as well, hit three threes, had very good shooting motion, I think is probably um, going to rebound after kind of regressing as a three-point shooter this year from his junior season. Um, Very talented finisher, has amazing touch um, around the rim, and and when you combine his fluidity with his touch, that's something that's very exciting. Um, You know, I'm a proponent. Um, we talked about 
about this with PJ Washington before. Um, you know, I'm a proponent of these guys who are built like fours but move like threes um, because those are the guys who end up being NBA small forwards, particularly off the bench. I think that Brantley kind of fits in into that role, and he's a guy that even though he's an inconsistent defender, having watched a couple college Charleston games now, um, he kind of had a a lot of benefit from their defensive system in terms of his ability to generate steals and blocks. Um, But I think that he has a long way to go on the defensive end, but I think that he can be a guy who provides some offensive value off the bench um, at the NBA level. Um, So could definitely be in the mix for a second round pick based off of that. Um, Last guy we'll talk about for this team was CJ Massenberg of Buffalo. Kind of disappointed with him. Uh, Mainly shot selection was my big issue. Uh, He kind of took some very ill-advised contested jumpers in this game. Didn't really have a good sense of the moment. Um, He's a guy who I think is kind of, if he's going to make the league, is going to be kind of like a bench uh, microwave type guy and doesn't seem to have the awareness of kind of when he should be taking over the game um, to be able to make that uh, make that role work. So not super excited by what I saw from him there. Um, for sales systems, uh, the big name that came out of this tournament as kind of a sleeper guy um, outside of the ones we already knew about, so like Davis and McGee and, and Clemens, was Daquan Jeffries of Tulsa. He was on sales systems. Um, really impressive athlete. I uh, had several just incredible finish it, uh, finishes in dunks and transition. Finished with 16 points per game, had 19 points and 8 rebounds with 2 blocks in the championship game. Looked like clearly sales system's best player and the most athletic guy there. Um, I a lot of people started putting him kind of into the second round range. I don't know that I, I totally believe that he belongs there. Um, he's kind of a, a guy who plays like a four, um, but is a little bit undersized for that role. Um, has has really good strength and really good athleticism, but for some reason wasn't really able to translate that into being a very quality finisher, um, especially when he wasn't able to load up off of two feet and be able to throw down dunks. Um, he, re- he really struggled in traffic, had four really bad short misses in that championship game that if he hits those, that that team ends up winning. Um, And I'm really concerned kind of where he is able to kind of fit in if he is not a like elite level finisher. Um, he does have a pretty good handle, um, is a pretty smart cutter, is going to be able to get himself into advantage situations, but um, just a little bit of a weird profile um, I'm getting from him. He's probably another guy that probably earned himself a combine invite, so we will see if that can carries over, um, particularly if he plays five on five against kind of some first round level guys. But um, for this, I'm kind of holding off on my love for Jeffries and wouldn't quite put him into the, like that late first round range because of that lack of finishing. I want to see a little bit more from him. Um, the other player who really surprised for sales system was, was Quindary Weatherspoon, another Mississippi State guy, um, was an all-tournament team me- member. He finished with 15 points in this game. Um, just a 3 and D wing who makes really good decisions um, and can handle a little bit. Um, and those guys 
pop a little bit at this because if you're able to do all of those things well, you're going to look really good in an environment like this. Um, he did not shoot well early in the game, but rebound and wait to hit three threes that kept sales systems within range in this game. Um, he's, a, he's a guy who's a little bit thin, is probably like a full-time two in terms of his fit within a roster um, because I don't know that he's going to be able to slide up and be able to defend the three a lot. Um, but another guy that is probably tailor-made for a two-way contract um, and will probably float around the fringes of the league for for a few years here. Um, so uh, main takeaways from the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament, um, Terrence Davis and Josh Reeves look just as good as I imagine. Um, same with Chris Clemens and Fletcher McGee, although McGee didn't look, way, look good in the conventional ways that I thought he would. Uh, kind of a poor offensive performance and good defensive performance from him. So that's something that's a little bit promising. I'm really impressed with Jarrell Brantley um, as well as uh, as well as Nick Perkins and Daquan Jeffries and Tukey Brown. Those are kind of my big winners from this tournament in terms of guys who um, didn't really have a high profile who now should have a little bit better standing. Um, guys who kind of uh, who kind of fell down the board for me a little bit. Uh, Matt Morgan of Cornell, who really struggled against Tukey Brown, as we talked about earlier. Uh, Josh Perkins of Gonzaga, who looked horrendous for most of that fifth-place game. Um in terms of his decision making in the half court, he he made some really mind bending passes um, in that in that in that game, and I'm not super high on him as a draft prospect. Um, gonna gonna kind of slide down uh, C.J. Massenburg a little bit, and then also Ark Holman and Terrence Mann, um, guys who, guys who kind of disappointed a little bit there. Um, so we got a good picture now of some of the guys who may be available in the undrafted uh, range. We will probably talk about that a little bit more maybe right after the draft come on and kind of talk about who the prospects are that um, could be really good sleepers from this class. We'll probably talk about a few of these names here. Um, But a nice scouting opportunity uh, in Portsmouth would definitely recommend if you are interested in the draft and are local uh, going because it's a really entertaining environment. and it's a pretty good networking opportunity. I got to meet uh, meet a couple people. Um, particularly shout out to uh, Alex West and Eustachio Raleigh, Josh Earl, and Connor Har of Red Team Scouting. Um, I have been on their podcast before, um, and you should definitely be checking them out. Their Twitter handle is at Red Team Scouting. Red Team Scouting in the iTunes feed for their podcast. Um, I will probably be having Eustachio on as he is a Fear the Sword alumnus in. Uh, the next few weeks, um, haven't f- quite figured out for what yet, but really good to uh, be able to meet up with those guys. Um, so really, really good opportunity there. Um, so definitely would recommend going. Um, now we get to shift our attention to the draft combine that's coming up in a, in a few weeks here. Um, so we'll come back next week. We'll probably run down the draft pool and kind of talk about where the board stands as we head into the beginning of May. Um so we'll cover we'll cover that here um, next week. Uh, be sure to tune in for that. Uh, make sure you are liking, subscribing, and sharing uh, on the po- podcast feed. Um, unsubscribe, resubscribe, cook the books, as J- Justin Rowan says. Uh, make sure to leave a review as well that helps other people find the podcast and pay attention to our podcast feed mate the bottom as well uh look for more new episodes from them as we shift into draft season um follow me on twitter at legal screens um 
if you if you want more draft stuff and also my work at the setback, I wrote a really nice piece on um, kind of my thoughts of the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament. May come across a little bit be- a little bit better in that medium. Um, if if you want to find that, that's up at uh, the setback, uh, and I uh, I think that's all the plugging that I have to do. So. We will catch you guys next week. Come back with our typical format, break down another pro- another high-profile prospect, um, get into the weeds a little bit on kind of where the class stands as a whole. Um, so stay tuned for that and uh, keep on listening.